Welcome to the amazing you Confidence Without Compromise podcast, giving you everything you need for confidence, mindset and growth. Supporting you with the tools you need to be the person you were meant to be so that you can live a life full of confidence, purpose and freedom. I'm Tor Obermeyer, an empowerment coach for women, helping you to find your voice for the next best chapter of your life. Um. So, welcome everybody uh, to this next episode of my podcast. I'm joined today by the lovely uh, Marsha McAdam. And Marsha and I were introduced to each other through the legend that is Neville Southall, MBE. <laughs> and um, as any, if any of you know Nev, then you know that he's got a real passion for mental health and supporting people with mental health and really just getting that message out there. So that's how Marsha and I were brought together. And I just thought it'd be really nice for us to have a chat for Marsha to share her journey, what's helped her along the way, and also just to kind of talk about her role as a leader in although she probably wouldn't define herself maybe she's smiling as a leader but we all are all of us women in in very different guises it looks different but essentially we are leading in some way Uh, and so we're just gonna have a chat about that so morning Marsha morning morning so can you just tell us a, a little bit about yourself just to give the listeners an idea who you are so um i'm a mental health advocate um and i get to do things that i never ever thought was possible and um pinch myself and uh because uh, years ago um i was someone that needed mental health services all the time mm-hmm. and was reaching out in desperation um because I was in severe pain mentally and that. Um, But then I received life-changing therapy. But for me on a daily basis, I have um, fibromyalgia, Mm -hmm. chronic fatigue, type two diabetes, um, hemiplegic migraines. And when things are really bad with my mental health, I have BP my borderline personality disorder Mm -hmm. some of the traits rears up and on top of that reoccurring depression so sometimes things are a bit tough but then um but today is going to be a good day because I've got my lippy on and you have so looking lovely (laughs) (laughs) And, and that is interesting that you say that so do you find I definitely do. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Do you find that um, if you kind of like, you put your lippy on, you put your earrings in, does that have an impact on the way that you feel? Definitely. Yeah. And when I tweet, um, I tweet, today's going to be a good day. I've got yeah. my lippy on and my earrings in. And everyone always sort of likes it. And it's when you put the lippy on and that, it's just a, a, an uplifting yeah. thing to me it is yeah 
I was talking to somebody about that the other day. I was talking about um, I was wearing heels and they were like, oh, can you walk a long way in those? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I wear heels all the time. And I was saying when I'm presenting or delivering something or teaching, I always wear heels. I never wear flats because I kind of just feel, I don't know, it just gives me a certain kind of feeling, a certain emotion. And maybe it's because I'm short, so short and I just want to feel a little bit taller. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah, I totally get that, that when you you kind of like put, it's almost like putting on a costume, isn't it? And you feel like, like an actor, you feel a certain way. So yeah, I totally get that. Um, so, so tell us a bit about um, the work that you do, Marsha. So a few years ago, um, I was concerned around the stigma that comes with borderline personality disorder um because it's very real and um i've experienced that and it um i'll give you one instance mm -hmm. uh, like when i used to go to a and e and you go through triage and then you're waiting in the waiting room uh, but you're there for because you're feeling ill mentally and sometimes I'd act out and everything it, it wouldn't be a good time mm. and then I go to the the people that the the desk that before you get through to um to see the doctors and that and go in there and desperate and them turning around to me and saying we see it there's where was it there's a lot of sick patients here and it's like I'm sick yes and and then um, a few other times, um, I remember being in the corridor, the ambulance corridor in mm -hmm. A&E, um, and waiting with two policemen and waiting, and I was ready to leave. And then this nurse comes and shouts over me, "You know exactly what you're doing." And then I was pinned down by these police officers while this nurse was shouting that at me and. It was really, it was awful, but Dramatic. it was. But then a few years later, when I became um, a service user representative and I went with my, my mental health trust to do like a ward inspection or that. And I went, <laughs> I went to that area Yeah. and they were like, Marsha, what are you doing here? And I went, I'm with them. And you should have seen their face change in their attitude towards you, do you yeah. mean? Yeah. So they treated you differently. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? And we talk a lot, don't we, about, you know, mental illness is as is, is as real, obviously, as physical illness, but you can see when somebody's got a broken arm, you can't necessarily see when somebody's suffering with their mental health. Although, of course, as we, as we know, and you know, there are lots of signs, aren't there, that people are struggling. So do you think, that, so what is it that drives you then to do the work that you do? So I used to be that person that was at a &E all the time, that was, the police were taking me there or the ambulances. Um, and I was acting out, I used to overdose a lot. And it was in 2008 when I took a near fatal overdose and was in ICU um, in an induced coma for three weeks. And then 
when I was brought round within a week, being weaned off oxygen, put on the ward, the normal ward, and then out. And it was only then that I really got mental health support. Um, I remember the the crisis team coming to visit me at my mum's house. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the first time that they'd sort of really got involved with me. Um, and I'll tell you a bit about them in a minute. Yeah. And it was only then that I really started getting real support because before that it was, she's just causing it's a, an attention seeking thing and, and um, manipulative and, mm -hmm. um, and then in 2010, I, I received life-changing therapy, which is mentalization-based therapy, mm -hmm. um, which I often say saves me, saved me from myself because yeah. I had those thousand and one thoughts going through my mind and through mentalization-based therapy, it meant that I was able to pause the thoughts and deal with one at a time. Yeah, okay. And have empathy and for myself mm -hmm. and understand, hey, it's okay to be angry. Mm. So for me, the work that I do now when I when I do a presentation, mm -hmm. I always say I identify as having BPD. Mm -hmm. And it's because it meant that I got the therapy that changed my life. But I can see the other side is that people are failed because they've been given that label of uh -huh. BPD or as it's otherwise known as emotional unstable personality disorder mm -hmm. uh, or more recently complex emotional needs. Yeah. And, and I can see both sides of it and the work that I'm doing um, with people is that middle bit which is, we, we know all this is happening. And so let's do something about it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me then in a, in a kind of really um, practical way, Marsha, what, what, you, what you do about it? What's the message that you're getting out there to people and how do you do that? So I think you can throw as much money as you want at services, but there needs to be systemic change from the top. Um, and it's unfortunate that people with that diagnosis are seen as attention-seeking, manipulative. Um, but what I want to try and do is make people to stop and think about what all that noise, why is that happening and see the hurt behind it, not just seeing all that that chaos in, in that. And three minutes of your time could stop three weeks mm. of devastation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I'm lucky enough that in September 2020, I partnered up with Professor Peter Fonagay who's chief exec of the Anna Freud Center and Sarah Hughes, who's chief exec of the Center for Mental Health. We were concerned around the stigma that comes with personality disorders. So we, um, we convened a series of roundtable discussions with key stakeholders 
most importantly with people with lived experience like mm -hmm. myself um and there was a few small workshops that happened from that um and last july time there was a tale of three cities which was with Ada Freud Center, 42nd Street, and Forward Thinking Birmingham. And it was the young people leading the conversation. And these are young people that have that diagnosis and the organizations help uh, young people and that with us. And they were talking about the good and the not so good in services. So mm -hmm. I went back to the round table and I said I wanted this model of a tale of three cities to be used as a good model going ahead mm -hmm. and so now there's something so small this year we're doing international borderline personality disorder awareness month um, and it's now called a tale of three cities goes global lovely <laughs> and um the, we've chosen the theme of young people, early intervention, prevention, mm -hmm. um, and we've got key stakeholders that have agreed to co-chair webinars with lived experience people. And I've managed to get Manchester Cathedral as a way to bring everyone together at the end and hear all those unheard voices. Mm -hmm. um, and we're inviting people that say for instance, just say for instance, Neville. Yeah. Um, he's usually a VIP keynote speaker. We'll invite him as a VIP keynote listener. And it's wanting people to hear what's happening mm -hmm. and to sort of stand alongside of us and say the support or the lack of support that people with this diagnosis are given isn't good enough mm -hmm. and we want to do things differently. And I know from the round table with those key stakeholders that are really senior people like Paul Farmer, Norman Lamb, um, and so many others, there's that real want and the need to do things differently. So I'm hopeful. I mean, that's just amazing. When you listen to the story of you in the ward being held down and then, you know, the journey that you've been on and the, and, and the, and obviously what drives you is your passion for change and to change the conversation and to change people's understanding of actually what borderline personality is and how you support that. But also, I just kind of, you know, was thinking as you were you were saying about that. One, you, how your face just lights up when you start talking about it and talking about what you're doing. It's lovely. But also how you've actually led the change and you've been um, so powerful in bringing all of those different stakeholders together around a table because um, for 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 change because you you and I and Nev were talking about this weren't we about it's getting everybody kind of together people are working in silos and things like that and I hear this a lot when I'm talking to people but it's just about bringing people together and there is such power 
in collaboration, isn't there? And people just working together for a common cause, whatever that is, whatever, whether it's, you know, global towards global warming or, you know, something in the building a new playground in their community or whatever that looks like. There's such power in, in coming together. So so you, you are we talked briefly mentioned this before we started the recording. You are a leader now aren't you I know and you 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 kind of laughed when I said it but you are you are a leader which I just think is phenomenal but if if you can kind of like if you were saying to somebody else about okay what makes a good leader what is it about you that you think people have got behind you um what is it about you as a leader do you think so everything that I do is voluntary Mm -hmm. uh because it gives me purpose Mm -hmm. and um I'm still on benefits because I I need social care I have um a carers um at the minute it's they're just starting up again but the carers um help me with um personal care um meals Mm -hmm. um, medication and I refer to them as my fairy godmother's mm. magic dust on me. And mm-hmm. the, it then means that I then have the energy to do these type of things. Yes. Because fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue is so debilitating. Mm. And I have a mobility scooter. So when you were talking about the high heels, I was like, God damn it. I wish I, do you know what I think I should do? Buy a pair of high heels. Yes on my scooter and then when I get off it put on a pair of flats because I get so envious with all these gorgeous high heels well you can still wear them when you're sat on your scooter absolutely you don't have to stand up in them they're your sitting down shoes Marsha we've all got a pair of sitting down shoes I think I'm gonna do that send me a picture (laughs) but can I just say as well years ago about three four years ago when Neville first started letting people take over his Twitter account Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to to be able to take it over on two occasions and I I can remember being so amazed that he gave me that platform yeah and that and um, I've been lucky enough to meet him virtually two or three times mm. and, and that and um, I just think it's amazing what he does and he's brought us two together and yeah. you're hopefully coming to the event in yeah. Berlin, um, yeah. which is can I uh, say it I'll just give them a go plug. absolutely unashamedly plug it so forward thinking Birmingham um the which is part of Birmingham's Women's and Children's Trust are going to for International Borderline Personality Disorder Awareness Month they're going to be doing a recovery party mm-hmm. um, and it's where young people are going to use art poetry music as a way of celebrating getting through the last few years um, they're also going to be um, unveiling a graffiti mural um, in Digbeth, the custard factory area of Birmingham. And it's a thank you to everyone um, 
for everything through the last two years and then they'd lost um um one of their colleagues um to covid right so there's going to be this this big unveiling wow how emotional is that event going to be i know and it's going to be it's going to be the first of may first of may which then marks all the unraveling of um the the <coughs> excuse me the unraveling of oh the unraveling of the muriel but yeah it's going to be later on um and then the anna freud center their uh, mid may are going to be doing a creative celebration where uh young people are using art poetry photography as a way of living expressing what it's like living mm. with bpd um and they've chosen the theme of language and communication mm. And uh, then 42nd Street here in Manchester, mm-hmm. which is the Young People's Organization, they, there's a, a creative space attached to them called the Horse Fall. And again, the young people are using art in that as a way of, they're stepping away from the medical model of what BPD is and, you know, that, was it? ICD and the DCM or whatever, all those medical things, yeah. they're using creative ways. And I think it's amazing. Um, so that's my plug for them. But So that's the 1st of May. It starts the 1st yeah. of May, right through till the 31st of May. There's going to be loads. Um, if you check on the Centre for Mental Health website. Yeah. Um, there will be more information great we'll put a link under the um show notes marcia so any links that you've got we'll put in there and then people can can go and have a a look and find out more information i love what you said about um i love the whole music drama um artistic expression of things i think it's so powerful um, for lots of reasons, really, but I also I I love the fact that our you know that when we move our body and do stuff with our body, we are that's such a healing process in itself, isn't it? And how you know our mind and our body are so connected, and we we sometimes view them. People sometimes view them as totally totally separate kind of entities, but they're not. You know, we're a three sixty human being aren't we and so to be able to use those forms of expression um are so powerful because it just actions speak a thousand words don't they so yeah love and, that um you asked me about leader mm. um, so i feel like an imposter and always doubt myself um but i have i have sarah hughes from the Centre for Mental Health, mm. Andy Bell, who's the Deputy Chief Exec of the Centre for Mental Health, and then even Peter Fonagay, um, they are my mentors. And at times I feel like pinching myself because Peter <laughs> is also the creator of MBT. And um, it really, really does feel so surreal. And yeah. Um, yeah, but I do have that imposter syndrome all the time. Hey, I think that's probably, don't we all? 
but you know but I think it's that sort of thing of we feel the fear and do it anyway so whether it's whether you allow it to stop you from doing the things that you want to do and clearly you haven't done that and it's interesting that you say that one of the things that has helped you as a leader um is being able to reach out to other people to help you so that realization that you can't do it on your own uh, so whether that's the, so your personal care allows you, like you say, to then focus on the things that really matter to you that nobody else can do but you, because it's your voice and your skill set and your experience that you're bringing to the table. But then also those other people who are mentoring you along the way. And I think that's a, such a great example for what leadership looks like, that it's not about I've got all the answers um, I can do all of this on my own. We can't. But I, but I think sometimes that we're kind of led to believe that that's what leadership is, that, lead, you know, that people say leadership is a lonely place, you know, and if you think, if you believe that, why, why would you want to be a leader? Because nobody wants to be lonely, do they? Yeah. So it's kind of changing that mindset around leadership is about knowing where to turn to for help and who to delegate to and to share that that arena and that platform definitely isn't it? i think over the last few years because of everything that we've gone through mm. i think that leaders are now being a bit more vulnerable mm. um, because they they've had a lot to deal with haven't they yes in that and they truly know their team now don't they and yes um for leaders i would say if you are struggling please please ask for help mm. and um yeah please ask for help yeah that yeah what a great i think that's a, a great sort of note to probably end on a little bit because I think that that kind of covers wherever you are in life isn't it is just to ask for help and I said this to somebody the other day just say I can't remember what the conversation was but I just said just ask that person to help just say can you help me and most of the time people love to hear that don't they they love to hear oh you think I can help you know, that makes that person feel good. I mean, it takes some vulnerability, doesn't it, to say I need help. Um, but there's a real power in that, whether it's leadership, whether it's with mental health, wherever you are, is just to say, I need help. Yeah. And how and and, and how we kind of as women um, probably need to try and normalize that a little bit more because we try and you know, we're like, no, we're super women. We can, we know I've got this. I can be an amazing mum. I can be an amazing business woman. I can be an amazing friend. I can do art and craft and baking and all of that kind of stuff. And it's just not true, is it? I don't know anybody that's completely got it nailed. No. No. If, if you do know, we need to find their... <laughs> and package it and sell it yeah definitely it doesn't exist Marsha and I think we if we just kind of get honest about that and say I need help I mean how do you you know you you raise well I can't remember what the saying is but how do you raise the person is with a whole village isn't it you can't do it on your own yeah. so yeah I think that's 
that's probably a, a kind of good place to end it on do you think definitely and thank you for making me smile <laughs> ditto ditto we always have a nice time when we have a chat don't we definitely and I'll, I will definitely look for shoes. <laughs> what colour? What colour? Oh, I don't know. Should I be daring and go into Selfridges and try on a pair of Jimmy Choo shoes? Oh, yes. Listen, you can embrace the whole Jimmy Choo because you don't have to worry about walking. So <laughs> I'm never going to be able to afford them, but I'll go and try on. Put it on your vision board. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take a picture of you wearing them, stick it on your vision board and let me know when it comes true. I know. <laughs> Lovely. Piggy bank of money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, so lovely to talk to you. Um, I'm just going to press the um, stop record button. Thankfully, I actually remember to start it at the beginning, Marsha, because that would have been a bit upsetting. <laughs> so we'll put all of your info um, in the show notes so people know where to come and, um, and find that event in May. So lovely to speak to you, Marsha. Take care. You have been listening to the Amazing You podcast. Why not join my Facebook group, Amazing You, Confident Without Compromise, and be part of a community of fantastic women. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, get inspired, feel empowered, be transformed.